Welcome to Getting Goosebumps, The Power of Storytelling, the weekly podcast helping you to craft stories that inspire, entertain, and convince. Each week, listen to leading industry experts, from top marketers and CEOs, to producers and writers from the entertainment industry. Learn how to elevate your brand message and spare your audience into action. Hello and welcome to Getting Goosebumps. I'm your host, Brian Adams. And this week, I had the absolute pleasure of talking to Donald Miller. Now, Donald is a best-selling author for books such as A Million Miles in a Thousand Years, Blue Like Jazz, and his latest book, Scary Close. He's also a great keynote speaker, but his biggest passion in life and his main focus in business is teaching the words and values of story. Donald uh, is the CEO and founder of StoryBrand.com. So this week we explore just by having clear branding can help get our audience's attention. And Don warns us against forcing our audience to burn too many calories whilst communicating. We also look at caring for our customer and how to articulate and demonstrate empathy And to do this, Don takes us through his brand story structure with actionable step-by-step advice that you're not going to want to miss. So listening to the show this week will be calories well invested. Get ready to um, digest some fantastic advice that you can take into your business straight away. You're going to want to attend Don's workshops, I predict, uh, and you're going to want to put this advice into action straight away. So sit back and enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to another show, everyone. This week, I am very pleased to be joined by Donald Miller, president of StoryBrand. Hi, Donald. Welcome to the show, and thanks for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me on. I've been looking forward to talking to you, Donald, because I've been following your, your stuff online for a, a while now. Um, now, you started out as a best-selling author, and you moved into running conferences, but to get where you are now, you had quite an unusual or interesting turn of events. Can I ask you to start by giving our audience a little a little on that background on yourself and how you came to be running StoryBrand? Yeah, well, I had a, uh, a conference company that was based on my career as a writer. And we, uh, we hadn't done very many conferences, and most of them only had about 350 people coming, which sounds great, except our theater had 700 seats. And so... I kept looking out at a room full of empty seats, and it just bothered me. And uh, I got on an airplane one time out of Portland, Oregon, where I lived, and the gentleman sitting next to me on the airplane was reading one of my books. And I had never seen my books in the wild before, you know, so it was kind of a cool moment for me. And I jokingly said, hey, you know, do you like that book? And uh, he looked straight at me, and he said, I love this book. It's the third time I've read it. In fact, I'm flying to Indianapolis tonight to hear this guy speak. And, uh, of course, I was flying to Indianapolis to speak. And um, we, I, I, he still didn't get it. And so I joked with him a little more, and he still didn't get it. And I realized, wait a second. You know, I've got two hours sitting next to somebody, and I can ask him all sorts of questions about my brand, about, you know, me as a a, a, a figure and just see what he says and what I was surprised at is probably what most people listening to your podcast would be surprised at. He really didn't have words to succinctly communicate why anybody else should be interested in me. I mean, he kept saying, you know, I'm a fan. I really like his stuff. I'd like to meet him one day, you know, things like that. Um, but not one sentence that would make me want to go buy that book. 
Oh, that's frustrating, right? It's it's frustrating, and it, I took ownership of it. I, I decided, hey, that's my fault, right? Because we have to give our fans, our customers, words that they can use to spread word about what we do. And I hadn't given I hadn't given them those words. So that was the genesis of StoryBrand. That was a total accident, but I created a framework using the elements of story because story is the most powerful tool in getting attention. It's the most powerful tool to compel a human brain to stop people from daydreaming and have them listen to you. All you have to do is tell a story. And I knew that, so I created this seven-part framework based on my years studying story as a writer, filtered my marketing messages through that framework, and our conference went from 350 people to 970 in a different theater to 1,700 the next conference and over 2,000 the conference after that. And we did that without any advertising. It was just word of mouth. Finally, I'd come up with the words people could use to spread word about what I did. Then some guys on my staff, and I'm so grateful for this, kind of said to me, Don, you know, this was really fun to create that filter and filter our marketing message through it. What if we took another company through it? And so we uh, put out word that we would help a company tell their story. And um, Pantene called, Procter & Gamble, which is a billion-dollar company here in the States, called. And, and after that, Ford Lincoln, the auto company, and then the White House uh, <laughs> wow. called. And Chick-fil-A, a big uh, restaurant chain here in the States. And then StoryBrand started catching on so much that we realized we've accidentally discovered – a felt need in the marketplace for business leaders to sit down and clarify their message so that they could take the words that they come up with and put them on their websites, email blasts, keynote speeches, elevator pitches. And it got so busy that we ended up killing off the successful conference company that we created <laughs> with the framework. And now all we teach is the framework. We teach it uh, through an online course. We teach it live in person here in Nashville, Tennessee, and we teach at private workshops where we fly out to see uh, leaders. And, you know, I'm telling you, it, it, it's a really strange from a personal perspective, because I know everybody listening to you uh, loves story. You know, it, it was a it was a left turn in my own personal narrative. I, in fact, just today, I thought, you know, I, I've always liked business and been good at marketing, but I never thought the success of my career would come from being a businessman with a marketing framework, right? I always thought I'd be a best-selling author and, you know, kind of an entertainer of sorts, but uh, <laughs> it's been a really fun ride. And I love it. I think like most people listening to your podcast, it's a wonderful thing when you discover something that you can do that genuinely helps people and gives them a strong return on their investment. Mm. That, that's really good for us as human beings when we have something to offer the world. And so I am unbelievably grateful for having accidentally discovered this framework. And uh, I, I intend to keep teaching it and doing it for a long time. Yeah, wow. So that's a, it was a byproduct of a, of a different problem. Total accident. Amazing. Do, do, you think, um, do you think part of the success was – down to a naivety of traditional marketing technique? Because I guess at some point you've developed a framework that flies in the face of traditional methods and that's why it's different and that's why, that's why it works. Is that, is that true? 
I think there's some truth to that. I think it flies in the face of a lot of – well, one traditional method is let's throw a bunch of money at a problem. <laughs> and that doesn't work. Yeah. In fact, we've had clients come through who've spent $100,000 on their website. I'm not sure how many euros that is. $100,000 on their website. We looked at their website and said, this is ridiculous. You're not going to get any business using this. It's really pretty and technologically advanced. But what it's actually communicating is – now, I mean, you can put a $100,000 dress on a pig and, and the pig ain't going to look good. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, when, then we turn around and we help them with their messaging, which is incredibly inexpensive. We redo their website for $3,000 and they see an uptick in business. So what we say really matters. And we, we you know, we really teach our clients that if you've got your product straight, your people straight and your process is straight and you're still, your business still isn't growing – there's only one more problem, and it's positioning, how you're positioned in the marketplace, whether or not you're standing out. And the way you stand out in the marketplace is by being crystal clear on what you offer and why it matters to your customer. And, uh, and so we teach people to do that. And, you know, we just bought a website yesterday that we haven't built yet, but it's called IDoubledMyRevenue.com. <laughs> and we literally just bought it to, to archive stories of people who doubled their revenue after going through StoryBrand. That's not everybody because doubling your revenue is very difficult, especially if you're a billion-dollar company. Uh, but we've had enough people come back and said, yeah, we, we've at least doubled since we clarified our message. Wow. And uh, we're going to start uh, archiving those stories uh, there at that website. Wow. So, so okay, uh, you're doing something slightly different to traditional marketing. And marketers get paid a fortune all the time to do this. But obviously, there's some fundamental things that people are getting wrong time and time again. So for anybody in the audience thinking, oh, I'm just I'm one of the guys spending 100 grand on a website at the moment. Yeah. What are some of the telltale signs to look out for um, in terms of you know, whether you're getting it wrong or whether you're on the right track? Well, I'll share with you the absolute biggest paradigm shift that we share with our clients. And, it, and it's this. Uh, Every human being self-identifies as the hero in a story. They wake up, they have something they want to accomplish. There's all sorts of things that are challenging them and keeping them from accomplishing what they're accomplishing, uh, what they want to accomplish. They have uh, a vision of a climactic or obligatory scene that's going to resolve all their conflict, on and on and on. What every hero is looking for in a story is a guide. So Luke Skywalker is looking for Obi-Wan Kenobi or Yoda. Mm -hmm. uh, Katniss is looking for Hamish. Uh, King George in the King's Speech is looking for somebody like Lionel who can help him. The biggest mistakes that brands make involve playing the hero. In other words, if you spend too much time telling your story, your audience will check out. Because they, they aren't interested in your story. They're interested in their story. And so what we say to our clients is never play the hero in the story. The customer is always the hero. You're the guide. Okay. And you've got to play the guide in the, in the life of your customer uh, in order to see an uptick in business. Okay. When, when we go on and on about how our grandfather started the company and all this kind of rigmarole, uh, what our customer hears is, uh, well, that's great. You're a hero too, right? And that's awesome. And I wish you the best. Now, if you don't mind, step aside because I'm looking for a guide. <laughs> and uh, it's it's the worst mistake you can make in terms of uh, branding. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But there's companies out there, 
that are selling commodity-based products and services. So um, they they might be sat there thinking, well, actually, there's no hero in my story. Um, they can they get the guide thing, but um, are they are they just wrong? Are they approaching it wrong, or is there a different set of rules? If there's no heroic act, or you know, how, how do you make sense of that? If there's well, by out? hero, I don't mean the traditional understanding of a hero of the guy who wins the day. Uh-huh. I mean that to every person, their life, the story that they are living within is their own story. They are the lead protagonist in the story. Yeah, you know, the human brain is trying to do two things. One, it's trying to survive. So your brain is tasked with trying to keep you alive. So because of that, you're constantly processing information and constantly filtering and throwing away useless information that has nothing to do with helping you survive, right? Mm-hmm. That's the first thing the brain is trying to do. The second thing the brain is trying to do, which I find very interesting, is it's trying to conserve calories. So even during this interview, you and I are burning a lot of calories because we're trying to communicate clearly, we're processing information. And, you know, I have three more meetings after this one. By the end of the day, I'll be exhausted even though I've sat in a chair all day, right? (laughs) That's because my brain was burning so many calories. Now, here's what's fascinating. Um, If if somebody goes to your website and they can't figure out in a relatively short period of time how you can help them survive, then you are asking them to burn too many calories to figure out why you matter or why your message matters. And they they are designed to tune you out. So you've got to get to the point very quickly. And that point needs to be, I can help you save money. I can help you be more efficient. I can help you meet a mate. I can help you uh, grow in status. I can help you accumulate wealth that you can use to buy your security or defense mechanisms, on and on and on. Now, the brain is unbelievably great at putting together all these different ways that and connecting us to that sense of survival. Mm -hmm. But if you come on and say, my grandfather started the company, (laughs) your brain is, the brain of your customer is saying, this has nothing to do with helping me survive. I'm going to stick with you for another few seconds. But quite honestly, if you don't get to the point, I'm going to hit my back browser button and go somewhere else. (laughs) Absolutely. And so we we teach people a seven-part framework that allows them to filter all their messaging so that every single thing that they say, even the bio that they write, about the CEO, all is is geared toward keeping their attention and not asking them to burn very many calories. And in the end, that wins the day. It's not the best product and service that gets the most attention. It's the clearest branding that gets the most attention. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so can you walk us through those steps or, or some of those steps just to sort of whet our appetite? Sure. In the States, we call this drinking from a fire hydrant. So if you're ready, I'll walk you through it. (laughs) Go for it. Feel free to pause this podcast and rewind and listen to it a bunch of times. (laughs) Uh, The seven elements of story. uh, Now, if if we're writing a screenplay, you know, there's 36 elements of story. But for purposes of branding, we'll focus on seven that are in almost every story. You've got a character. That character wants something. The character has a problem that's keeping them from getting what they want. Uh, They can't solve their own problems, so they meet a guide who helps them. The guide gives them a plan, then calls them to action, and that action either ends in a success or a failure. So those are the seven elements of story. So what that means for our branding is we need to define something that our character wants. What is their story about as it relates to our product or service? What problems or pain points are they facing? 
uh, by not being able to get what they want and how can we resolve those? How are we positioning ourselves as a guide in their life? And there's two things a guide has to do. One is empathize with the character's internal problem. And two, they have to have authority. They have to care about the customer and know what they're doing as, as it relates to their product or service. Then there needs to be a plan. And we prefer three-step plans or three phases that gets the customer uh, through the conflict into uh, the resolution of that conflict. And then the calls to action need to be clear. I need to know exactly what you want me to do in order to buy your product or service or simply engage you as a brand. And you also have to spell out for me how much better my life is going to be if I do business with you and how much worse it's going to be if I don't. <laughs> okay, and cool. those are the elements of the story. And when you, when you spell out those elements in very clear messaging, uh, you compel customers uh, like you really didn't before because before you were creating noise and now you're creating music. Hmm. And people are much more interested in music than they are in noise. And so we take, you know, everything that I just shared with you takes about between 8 and 16 hours to figure out for your brand. And we guide <laughs> wow. people through that process. But that's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. Wow. Well, I've, I've definitely expended a lot of calories processing <laughs> that. But but calories well, well hey, spent, it's, it's calories well spent. Yeah, absolutely. Help survive in the marketplace. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I reckon... Um, for those listening, it's definitely worth going back and listening to that again. A big, a big message coming out of um, everything you've said so far, Don, is um, is simplicity. Now, yes. something I'm really interested in, in getting your opinion and uh, advice on here is, um, and you you might you might have seen this before when somebody comes in with a product or service and it's genuinely fantastic, and actually one of the problems is. It's it's got so many benefits, so many th- so many plus points that um, the the brand or the business owner or, wh- or whatever is really keen to get all of those benefits across. How do you uh, decipher which benefits to discard or how to prioritize or h- how do you go about that? Because you know, fifty benefits is probably worse than no benefits, right? Or it's it's just yes. as difficult. How do you deal with I, that? I absolutely agree with that. Well, uh, I don't know what you would call it over there, but um, do you guys do you guys bowl at all? Do you have bowling alleys? Yeah, we've got bowling alleys. Yeah. Okay. Well, every time that you try to explain a benefit to your product to a customer, imagine yourself handing them a bowling ball. They're having to process some big, heavy information. And let's say you want to tell them about another benefit. Then you hand them another bowling ball. Well, now they're handing hand they're they're holding two bowling balls, right? What's going to happen when you hand them a third? Yeah, they're probably going to drop something. <laughs> well, certainly by the fourth, they're going to drop them all, uh-huh. and they're going to pretend to be interested, and they're going to try to be polite while they're trying to get away from you. <laughs> so what we want to do is we really just want to hand them one at a time. Uh-huh. And so we want to find out what is the largest common denominator benefit for our clients you know, if it's a car, it might be fuel economy, right? Mm-hmm. So in one print ad, we're only going to focus on fuel economy. Now, in another print ad, we can only focus on safety. Uh, on another print ad, we can only focus on speed or performance. Mm-hmm. But one at a time is enough. When you start f- trying to get too many ideas across, you're asking the customer to burn too many calories, and they are simply going to drop you. 
And so one at a time. And I, it is so hard to get customers to trust me on this. <laughs> yeah. But they've got to do it. You know, for instance, let me, let me give a good example. The story brand framework that we've created is extremely robust. It's the Six Sigma of messaging. And you can use that to give great speeches. Uh, we have software uh, engineers who come and take our course because they, they want to map software development for our clients easier. Uh, when we stopped acting like a catch-all for all of your business problems, which we kind of think we are, uh, <laughs> and started just saying, you know what, you're going to get a much better website out of this. Our business went through the roof. In other words, when we stopped talking about all these amazing benefits and just focused on one that everybody could get their head around, we grew. Now, when they come, they're coming because they want to create a better website. And then they discover all these other applications for what we're teaching. And we just call that icing on the cake. That's great. Good for you. But when we stopped focusing on all our benefits and focused on one and really hammered home that message, we can help you create a website that converts browsers into buyers and perhaps double your revenue if, if you're qualified. Uh, we saw an uptick in business. So let me be an anecdotal case study for you. The less benefits you focus on, the better. Okay, cool. That, that makes a lot of sense. And um, like us, you, you might do persona mapping to understand segments of an audience. Do, do, do you guys yes. do that stuff? Yeah. So, yeah, and you would use a different brand script for each segment of ab- your audience. Absolutely. And it, so I guess the, the challenge there is um, to find the benefit, the key benefit to lead with for each, for each persona. And your, your car analogy is great, isn't it? So if it's performance, that might uh, be the sort of... Um, the younger teenager looking to you know drive fast. Right. The the older driver might be more concerned with fuel economy, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Same car, diff- and they get all of those benefits, but it's it's the message that you lead with to to engage that persona, right? That's exactly it. Brilliant. Okay, uh, and I guess once they've been attracted by one benefit, then they get to experience the rest. I think that's what you were saying. Yeah. Everything else is just surprise and delight. Cool. One. Um, one thing I, I saw on your website that caught my eye was uh, you talk about compelling messages that spread like wildfire. So that's a pretty compelling message in itself. It's also a bold, a bold statement to make because I guess everybody's trying to achieve that. Can you elaborate on the, the word of mouth, um, of, um, the viral aspect of getting that message right? You know, we've got a guy running for president here named Donald Trump. <laughs> yep. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Donald Trump. I, I think a lot of Americans would, would say that. Uh, I think he's a very simple thinker, and uh, I think he's got some tendencies that aren't helpful for our country. Mm-hmm. But he's a phenomenon in terms of communication. And one of the things that is true about Donald Trump is he is an extremely black and white thinker. And he is very, very simple, and he speaks on a fourth-grade level. Now, Jeb Bush, who was also running for president, uh, dropped out of the race. He spoke on an eighth-grade level. So you've got the guy who's communicating extremely simply, who's winning, and the guy who communicated uh, in a complicated way who's already out of the race. And uh, there's a lesson there to be learned. It's not that uh, we shouldn't. Think a little harder and vote for the best candidate. It's that if you really want word to spread, things need to be extremely simple. 
The other thing that Donald Trump does is he talks about making America, making America great again. That is a successful uh, end vision, if you will, for the country. And when you paint a picture of what somebody's life can be like if they use your product and service, uh, word is going to spread. You need a succinct, compelling image that you're placing in the customer's brain and what their life can, be, can look like if they use your product and service. Also, Donald Trump has a villain. There's a villain in his narrative, and the villain is politicians. They're inefficient. They lie. Uh, they'll say anything to get elected, uh, all this kind of stuff. So he's got a villain that's trying to keep America from being great again. The other thing Donald Trump does is he doesn't position himself as the hero in the story. He keeps calling, even though he's a narcissist and he's completely <laughs> self-obsessed, he keeps referring to himself as just the messenger and the story's really about you and blah, blah, blah. So he's, you know, as much as we don't like it, he's using this methodology in order to, to rise in the polls and, uh, and try to get elected president. Uh, when we study Winston Churchill, he did the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. When we studied uh, Franklin Hitler. Roosevelt, he did the exact same thing. And Hitler? Uh, fascinatingly, when we studied Adolf Hitler, mm-hmm. he did the exact same thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is, you know, for like it or not, w- w- you know, at StoryBrand, we want the good guys to have the tools. You went to uh, StoryBrand workshops back then. We, we, we can't blame you for all of we this. Didn't. <laughs> no, we, we take no credit for that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so... You know, again, it's it's a long process to get your message simplified, but it needs to be simple. It needs to be clear. You need to dumb things down to almost a fourth grade level. You're going to feel like you're speaking to people like they're children. They're not children, and they're not dumb. It's just that they hear, on average, about three thousand commercial messages a day, mm. and most of those messages, if not all of them, go in one ear and out the other. The only one that's going to stick is the one that is simple, clear easy to understand, uh, posits a vision in my brain about what my life could look like, and ultimately I connect with my need for survival. Yeah, absolutely. So so which brands out there are, are doing a, a great job? Obviously, you've mentioned um, Donald Trump, and hopefully the technique won't work. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Um, but which, which brands are doing a, a great job at the moment? Well, I mean, everybody likes to use Apple as an example, but I'll tell you a story you've likely never heard about Apple. Uh, when Steve Jobs uh, co-founded Apple, you know the company grew and was moderately successful. But when they were on the brink of bankruptcy, he released a, a computer called Lisa, mm-hmm. and Lisa was a very expensive machine. It was technologically advanced. He released it with a nine-page ad in the New York Times, small print, explaining all the amazing details and features of this computer. And, of course, the computer bombed. He is let go from Apple. He ends up starting next, and then he goes over to Pixar. And Pixar was a hardware company. You know, they were selling machines to the medical community and NASA for image scanning. And uh, there was one guy on staff at Pixar. There were only eight people on the team. One guy was John Lasseter. And John Lasseter was approached by Listerine and a couple other companies mm-hmm. to create animated uh, cartoons that would work as commercials and those commercials made money and it was the only thing Steve Jobs had done in the last 10 years that had made any money everything else was losing money and so Steve said John you keep making these commercials 
because we got to keep the doors open and try to keep this company alive. Well, Disney came to John Lasseter and said, will you do this screenplay called Toy Story? Uh, they did it, and suddenly Steve Jobs accidentally is the CEO of the greatest storytelling company maybe since Disney itself. Wow. And he's having to learn everything about communicating simply and clearly and succinctly and also positioning the customer as the hero. So when he comes back to Apple, nine pages in the New York Times gets filtered down to two words, think different. <laughs> And the aspirational images of Albert Einstein and John Lennon and, and so forth and so on, uh, Bob Marley, you know, if you want to be like these guys, you're going to have to think different. And he, fa- he captured an identity, a misfit, unrecognized genius who would be recognized if they only had a tool and the tool would be the Apple computer. And that was the, the, the narrative framework that he created, and now they're the largest company in the world, by far. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And the difference was story. The diff- and it's not that they you – know, when people hear me say that, they think, yeah, I've got to tell my story. You don't need to tell your story. In fact, if you tell your story, it's only going to hurt your company. You need to understand the story of your customer, and you need to play a role inside of that story. And really what you need to do is you need to create a story map for your customer – and invite them to walk into it. Okay. What, what do you mean by story map? That sounds interesting. Well, let's say um, I'm a lawn care company. Mm-hmm. I mow lawns. I get the weeds out of your lawn. Pretty simple business. What I want to do is I want to create, I want to help my customer, my potential customer, envision a life in which they don't have to work on weekends. They can spend a lot more time with their kids They are no longer the scourge of the neighborhood and an embarrassment to their neighbors. Uh, They have a wonderful lawn that everybody envies. They have backyard barbecues. And they can accomplish this for $100 a month. And all they need to do is invite me to come in, analyze their lawn, give them a custom report on what I'm going to do, and then buy my product to execute that strategy. I just invited them into a story, a story in which they are a hero, their neighbors envy them, they have lots of time, they are a family man, uh, who, you know, on and on and on. I invited them to become a kind of person who is envied in their neighborhood. What I did was I, I mapped out a story for them and then I invited them to step into that story. Wow, that's, that's cool. And is, I presume that's something that you go through on your workshop in a little bit more detail. Yeah, absolutely. Right, cool. Don, I recently ran a, a poll on, uh, on Twitter, and I, I basically just asked my audience who they thought the best storytellers in the world were. And I, I basically listed um, a screenwriter, an author, a marketer, and a comedian. And... Um, and comedians came out top by far, which I was surprised by. Um, I thought screenwriter might have come out or author or, or whatever. Now, I've, I've been interviewing a number of people, uh, experts such as yourself in, in story, and there always seems to be a framework. One thing I was sort of reflecting on was comedians always have great structure to their anecdotes and stories. Otherwise, they wouldn't be funny, right? Right. What, what do you think the parallels are between comedians and the, the way they tell stories and how you approach a clear 
uh, brand story that that's got purpose. Well, there are one obvious connection for me and, and the friends of mine who are comedians uh, have this gift. It's the gift of empathy. Okay, they, they can really understand what makes somebody laugh, what makes somebody cry, what people are afraid of. Uh, they understand the nuances of how to get right up next to the line and not cross it, or maybe cross it for a second and then back <laughs> up. Yeah. They get human beings. They are, you know, a, a really good comedian has uh, an intuitive ability to understand what it means to be human. Uh, and they are, they hone that craft in the, you know, pressure of the stage and spotlight night after night in front of a hostile, half drunk audience. I mean, if you, you know, if you and I, had to record podcasts in front of half drunk audiences yelling at us, we'd get really good really fast, wouldn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I should do that. That sounds like a good idea. I think, idea. It, I, you know, more power to you. I'm going to record mine in my office. But uh, I, I, think, uh, I think it's empathy. And, and great brands really get their people. They, re- they celebrate their people's success. They grieve their people's losses. They, you know, put together focus groups and, send out surveys and you know if there's one thing you can do to grow as a brand really lock in and empathize with your people understand them and when your marketing messages come out of their stories their pain their frustration their joys their desires uh, you're going to see growth yeah brilliant fantastic that was that was really really interesting that don thanks so um before we go don um tell me um what is the five-minute makeover? Yeah, well, if you get a five-minute marketing makeover, you can either use the number or spell it out, five-minute marketing makeover. I go through three five-minute videos, really mostly talking about your website and what your website uh, needs to have on it in order to convert browsers to buyers. The third of those videos is actually not five minutes. It's about 10 minutes. <laughs> and I go through uh, what we did and a before and after uh, uh, analysis of a presidential contender here in America. So I'll let you find out who that is. But uh, if you go to 5-Minute Marketing Makeover, it's just a free resource that we've got for you. And then for your listeners, because you are probably got a bunch of folks who are very business savvy, once you give me your email address – you're going to go through those three videos, and then I'm definitely going to send you about 12 or 13 more emails over the next week or two that try to sell you something. <laughs> Don't let that frustrate you. Here's what I'm going to do. Print those emails out, study what I'm doing, copy them, and put them and, and, and organize them so they sell your product, and just watch what happens. It, it's really fascinating. Well, wow, that's a brilliant idea, isn't it? You know, I like the way you just confidently say, "Look, I'm going to try and sell you something." Because a lot of people hide from that, right? You know, but if, I guess if you're selling value, Man, if I've got medicine and you're sick, you better believe I'm trying to sell it to you. <laughs> Absolutely. And Don, you've just launched a, a podcast of, of your own. Um, tell us a little bit about that before you go. Well, I don't have the luxury of a British accent, but it's an okay podcast all the same. <laughs> Uh, it's called Building a Story Brand, and you can find it on iTunes. And we go through these seven, the seven-part framework in each interview. Uh, we focus on one of those seven-part frameworks. By the time that you finish the first season, you know a heck of a lot more about branding than you used to. And our goal, of course, is to make you a branding ninja. I mean, just somebody who sees the world 
through the lens of a marketing expert. And so the, the podcast is called Building a Story Brand, and we'd love to have you listen. Brilliant. Well, I've listened to the first two. I think I've got one to listen on my way home tonight, and there's another one out on, on Monday, I think. That's right, isn't it? Um, so, uh, Don, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, how can our audience connect with you in the best way? And is there anything you'd like to leave us with or draw um, our attention to? Well, if you, if you need anything from us, just go to storybrand.com. Uh, we've got folks. We, you can chat with us right there on the webpage. We'll answer any questions for you. But, you know, here, here's the thing, especially for entrepreneurs. I'm really convinced that the best way to change the world is to start a business, run a business, be ethical in your business practices, love the people who work for you, and love your customer. I've, I've seen more wonderful things happen in the world through folks like your listeners than I have through uh, in all my years of ministry and nonprofit work and all this kind of stuff. There's just a power to the free market system when it's in the hands of really genuinely ethnically great people. And, uh, and so uh, we, we will do anything we can to help you. Brilliant. Well, thanks so much for joining me today, Don. It's been a real pleasure having you on. My pleasure. This is an honor. <laughs> thanks. And thanks for listening, folks. I hope you've enjoyed the show as much as I have. Join me again next week for another show. And until then, goodbye for now. So that's it for another week. But before you go, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And for a chance to win a copy of our best-selling book, Getting Goosebumps, simply subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Or tweet us your thoughts using hashtag Getting Goosebumps. Would you like to pick the next guest? Let me know who you'd love to hear on the show by emailing me at brian at ph-creative.com.